we have a problem. A lot of people use the word coding. And that's like referring to writing as typing. That's the mechanical skill. So welcome to Outliers. Uh, I'm really excited today to sit down with uh, a true, truly an outlier for many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is this is the first time I'm sitting with someone who accessed the internet in the 60s. It was <laughs> called the internet then, but yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really delighted to uh, have uh, Bob Frankson, who, who is more popular uh, you know, as uh, one of the co-inventors of uh, the early spreadsheet, Vigicalcy. Uh, Vigical. And uh, which was considered uh, by many to be a killer app for personal computers back then. <laughs> Today we are talking blockchains <laughs> and it's been such a long time. Yes. Bob, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's always fun to try to figure out you know, where things have been, where they're going, what, what's... You know, it's all, it stays interesting. Mm. You've seen lots of cycles. I, I think, you see, in terms like, where I get jaded is terms like cycles and stuff try to put it into these well-defined patterns. And there are some inflection points where things have changed. But, um, you know, that is, what happens is you get a lot of the press, the marketing, to declare this is a cycle. And I tend to be sort of less... Um, into those terms and try to figure out really what's happening and you know see how the stuff I'm playing with fits into that so by the time terms like Internet of Things came about you know we're playing with things for so many years and you learn that the term actually originates from marketing pitch by the media lab at MIT that says if we put RFIDs on things we can track objects and the media lab at MIT plays an important role in popularizing things, but don't take it too seriously. Like RFID was sort of the anti-internet of things, because the things weren't intelligent, the viewers were. So, I, I, so maybe a better way to put it is I've seen a lot happen, <laughs> and and not happen. Not happen. So let's start with the thing that did not happen. Well. You know, back in the early, you know, early 70s, we figured we solved AI and then realized, eh, not quite. It's not around the corner. Automatic programming, you discovered that the technical aspects of programming weren't the limits, it was our understanding. So each of these, you, you, you get excited, then you get a reality check. It doesn't mean there's nothing there. There's a lot to build on. Turns out that one of the things in AI in the early days, we realized we had to have very clever algorithms because we couldn't use brute force. And we discovered brute force works wonderfully well. <laughs> it's kind of brute force. It was just beyond what we assumed that back then. So there's been a lot of discovery. Uh, and you know, it has no, it's not necessarily what we predicted. But would you give AI a chance this time? Well, let's drop the word AI, because the word AI <coughs> was used, again, I can go into different people and stuff, but basically uh, what I think is happening in programming is there's a sort of straight algorithm in programming where you have to understand, explain everything, and sometimes we just throw it and see how it lands. So 
what what's now called machine learning is really machine training, finding patterns. So that's a, a new trick. It's been able to do things. It doesn't mean it's like people operate. That's a mistake. You know, people basically took a few billion years to co-evolve with it, with their world. Machines do things in very different ways. So we have a lot of power, but it's not necessarily, you know, the way some people do it. And let me also go back to the spreadsheet that, yes. you know, that we talked about, because I, I really want to know uh, how was it building applications back then? Uh, you know, I mean, look how far that has evolved. I mean, today we are talking blockchains. Well, but well, blockchains are in a very hyper cycle. There's a lot of things people projecting on blockchains. A lot, it, 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 it's a lot of people like blockchains. Like, first, blockchains have different things. There's distributed trust, there's currency. So a lot of the hype comes from what are calling virtual gold bucks. We think money is gold, and now this is virtual gold. So there's a lot of confusion there. But there are a lot of useful ideas about distributed trust. That's a whole discussion you know, in its own right. But you're asking how the programming has changed. And in some ways, I mean, the tools are much more wonderful. Now, we used to, in the 70s, have a thing, we were fantasized called the program assistant. What we have now, like with Visual Studio, which I use, things are much more powerful than what we expected then. On the other hand, some of the conceptual things about programming go back to the earliest programming languages, like you're familiar with Lisp? And Lisp, Lisp yes, yes. And Lambdas, do you know what year that, that was designed? 1958, John McCarthy. He was also came up with the idea of time sharing back then. So the conceptual ideas are not necessarily that new. But we just, you know, there was a period when that went away, now that becomes part of programming. So I wrote VisiCalc, I, I wrote in assembly language, actually worked in machine instructions to do it. And it had to fit in, well, I failed my first goal was 16K. Uh, so it took 32k, including file system, operating system, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but conceptually, so, so that was technically kind of very primitive. But conceptually, I, I was using all the higher level programming techniques to understand the code. So it was, you know, very carefully constructed. But a lot of thinking was still you consider modern. There's uh, there's a lot of anxiety among programmers in India, mm -hmm. today at least, because of the way people are talking about automation, AI, and, and so on. Yes. How's life of a programmer uh, changed according to you, and what can they do better <laughs> to survive, if at all that's a survival? Well, well this is the thing is, pro what do you mean by programmers? I hate the word coding, because that's the mechanical skill. And so there's not just one kind of programmer. There's a lot of different kinds. And at any point in time, a lot of it is, in a sense, manual labor. Mm. How do we handle this case? All the different web pages are just using up a lot of people. But as we develop better tools, there's leverage there. So there's more value in having skills beyond just programming. In other words, the more you understand problems and techniques, the more you can do and invent. That the coding aspect, the mechanical aspect, has always been overtaken. So the question is, you know, do, do you understand more than just the mechanical skills? Do you understand sort of the high-level concepts of how to explain problems, 
some what's called real AI, for, you know, for neuroscience and things like that, they're just a sole set of concepts. Or you can become skilled in a field that if you're an expert, maybe in terms of healthcare, you're an expert you know, in physics or something, more expertise you have, more valuable your skills are. Not just the, the skill of actually coding. And um, there has also been a lot of talk about the death of code itself, the way co code is but written. But this is why I said it, it, we, we need to get rid of. Pro the problem is, and I wrote this a long time ago, uh, if I want to solve something, I'd rather explain it directly to the computer than explain it to a program who will misunderstand me and then program it. But the, the problem is, because you have to iterate, the problem is programming is never done. So until I implement it, this is why I like that we talked this afternoon about sort of living, not really the future, living the present, which other people think of the future, uh, is until you actually do it, you don't discover what's hard and what's easy. The one thing we talk about is the idea of home automation. And you very quickly discover you don't want to automate your home. You want to be in control of your home. You want to assist you, but uh, do you know? I don't know the term Stepford Wives, this science fiction story that was about uh, this little town in Connecticut, and the wives are sort of converted to robots that they'd always obey. So I think this is the model for the automation. It's a family that does everything at once, it does the perfect thing, and the house could all be automated. No, you have to have a house react to you. It, it, you know, if I move the furniture, I want to ch change the way the lighting works. So there's a, it's more of an interactive process than write the code, ship, and it's done. And I think programs will evolve to be more of a sort of an ongoing, evolving, how you hook things up, how you connect things, how you design things. But, but the rise of tools that yes. kind of automate... Well, they, they, they give you leverage. They make you lazy. No, no Too just creative. the opposite. <laughs> okay. They allow you to concentrate on what you want to do rather than the, the details. They, they liberate you. Now, if you want to take the time to liberate yourself and go to the beach, that's fine. But some of us just would be too bored by that. So you use that skill to explore new things and then get ourselves in trouble when you discover your house isn't working. You've got to fix it. <laughs> you know, you use the power. But basically, it gives me leverage. The same as people talk about, you know, big programs. Well, why write a small program and take a lot of time if that's not where the problem is? The problem is thinking about what you want to get done and how to do it. The other thing, Bob, is uh, with algorithms beginning to control a lot of things in our lives. Uh, we, we, well, but you should be very familiar with it, this concept. Mm -hmm. The British left you with lots of algorithms called bureaucracy. <laughs> Just because the bureaucracy is in the computer doesn't mean it's that different. <laughs> It w it's just we have to realize that this is just the new bureaucrats and we have to you know be careful about how, how much we let that define our lives like one of the I mean you have the problem is a lot of rules that make sense sort of statistically don't make sense to the individuals in other words it, you know it's like insurance you know you know what? why insure sick people they're all going to cost you more money well society we decided we're not going to accept that Statistics, we were, you know, it's, it, it, it's not fair, it, it, it doesn't work for society. So we have to balance sort of these arbitrary algorithms 
with large abuse or adult supervision. But if you look the good news is it might hopefully, once we realize it's just algorithms, this is a new bureaucracy, we can get control over it, unlike human bureaucracies, which refuse to change. <laughs> no, it, it, it's great to hear how you compare algorithms with bureaucracy, and I think rightfully so. Uh, but if you look at the, the power today that a Facebook or Google has... Oh, yeah, that's a real concern. Well, there's a larger concern of all these people become rich before they learn. You learn by failure. You don't learn by success. So you need to experience... This is, the thing about startup is you fail a few times, then you grow up. I worry about all these kids who who've succeeded and think they understand. And we have that the Koch brothers also before even computers, engineers who succeeded and they thought they, they knew the answer. Isn't that a little cliche to say that? It's what? Calling, saying, saying uh, you know, you, the kids who taste success early don't understand. If they are, no, you have to taste success. But you also have a case of failure. <coughs> if you just yeah, if you just have failure, it's a problem too. But you need it's too easy to treat. It's like the way I put it is, all mm -hmm. business books, all the books of success were written by lottery winners, and they tell you how they chose their numbers. No, that's they were just lucky. So you have to you get perspective of what's sort of you know more than just luck. And Bob, since you have seen. Um, cycles of computing over mm -hmm. decades. Uh, where we are today with Amazon, uh, Facebook, Google being the new custodians. Uh, Do you remember when Microsoft was invincible, then they became, they weren't going to survive, now they're back to invincible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, now people complain that Apple can't do design anymore. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Because you've seen Apple. Yeah, my, and the answer is the right. <laughs> That you, you know, people you know, worship jobs as a magical thing. No, he, he made a few good decisions, but a lot of it was intimidating people, you know, uh, surviving and, and being lucky. And remember, he learned from failure too. He failed totally, he did next. Yeah. That failed, but then he took the ideas of next, told everybody we're not going to take them to Apple, then took them to Apple, that became iOS. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it became the Mac operation, not iOS. But when you have two, you know, you take your design too seriously, like you take a look at the iPhone. The key thing about the iPhone was he forced it to be touch first, then he put the music, and, he, and a lot of iPhone was not the iPhone that the touch itself, it was iTunes. So that licensing, so they come together. But people assume every design, like a lot of it was over design, a lot of it was opaque and you can't find things on it. And the, and the problem with Apple is they, they had the freedom of developing their own ecology, but that limits them to their own ecology. So you remember the first iPhone had the exact pixels. You weren't allowed to vary the screen dynamically, so they didn't get that tested. Android started to vary new form factors, which Apple was not, didn't want to do because there was one perfect design. So a lot of these things, people become prisoner of their own success, and they seem invincible until they're not. You think the same would apply to from Amazon to every company. Yes. Now Amazon has a little problem. Doesn't make any money. It's a mm -hmm. little problem. They can get away with that for a long time, but it's a little problem. It's like let's say you have a fine restaurant, 
and somebody opens a restaurant next door to you that doesn't understand restaurants, but uh, to under, under prices. You might go out, out of business, but you'll, you'll suffer because of the competition. Now, Amazon is pretty smart, so I don't want to say that they're like the dumb restaurant, but one of their tricks is basically not to worry about making money, but to try to get market share. And uh, that might work, might catch up with them. <coughs> if I kill all the competitors, there might not be any energy in the ecosystem. Let me shift. I still buy a lot on Amazon. You do? <laughs> <laughs> As a consumer, why would yes. you hate it? No, it, uh, no I, I have concerns, but on uh, the other hand, look, look at the good part. Uh, Bezos is keeping the Washington Post alive. And we need newspapers these days. <laughs> we really do. So he's, not, he, he's, you know, these people mix. You look at Bill Gates, you can look at the, his evil competition, but he's also a philanthropist. His mother was a philanthropist. They really want to do good. So th these are complex people. Same for Zuckerberg. I might complain that he hasn't learned it, that it takes a little too seriously for Facebook, but he really wants to help the world. So the good news is most of these people, not all I can think of, mention, won't mention other names, uh, but they really do want to help and do good. That's, you know, positive. But this is kind of a Robin Hood theory, right? Like, you are yes. you, but then you are <laughs> No, well, that's, no, but that's yes, it, 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 the world is complicated, yes. <laughs> uh, but it's a mistake to, that's what I was saying it's a mistake to say to have this moral absolute traits these are the good people these are the bad people it's much more complicated and how do you get you know it, you know when, when people have a lot of money they can do good for the world or they can be terrible so if, if, if someone is a young programmer today or, mm. or computer engineer yeah. computer science engineer what would your advice be be lucky Number one. <laughs> 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 well, that's right, but that's, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, my philosophy is create up, you know, learn as much as you can so you're ready for opportunities to show up. Because you don't know exactly what's going to happen. So don't just learn the job skill, but also do what you enjoy. So you, now there's one way to be successful is to do what you enjoy. That if you're doing things you hate, then you fail already. Maybe you're lucky you'll make money and you'll be able to get past that. But if you enjoy what you're doing, you're excited by it, then you always have that success to fall back on. If you have wide skills, if you like to learn, then when opportunities come up, you can take advantage of them. And you know, I was lucky with Dan Brooklyn on VisiCalc that he had this idea. We decided 10 years before that we were going to do something. But unlike most of the startups, it wasn't say, we have to do something. What is it? It's when something seems right, we'll do it. And when he came up with the idea of electronic spreadsheet, he was busy in school. I said, oh, this looks like a fun project. Maybe, maybe it'll make money, maybe not. But it's, it looks like fun. <laughs> There's something else I wanted to ask you, Bob. Uh, last when I interviewed Alan Kay. Uh, yes. And yeah, uh, all, it's, it's, the field is very small in those days, so we all know. Yeah, <laughs> so he mentioned this. He, one of his regrets is that some of the brightest engineers today are solving some of the, you know, the whole, this theory about they're solving the dumbest problems. They're helping an Amazon sell uh, yes. <laughs> online and, and so on. Do you believe in that? Do you think the smartest people today on the planet are not tackling the, the, the biggest problems? But that is the biggest problem. I mean, yeah, somebody wants, you're talking about Napkin, 
One, and toilets in India are a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gates tried. I, I, I know. Failing, I, failing I, at that, by the way. Right. But I'm just saying that maybe we shouldn't be so dismissive <laughs> you know, of that. Uh, but, I mean, that's you know, obviously where the money is. Uh, but I, I, I worry a little about, I, I share some of the concern, but at the same time, I worry about, you know, the question of what are the biggest problems, how to characterize it, because one of my things is the most inefficient way to get things done is to solve problems. Mm. A much more efficient way is to take advantage of opportunities that are already there. So if you have an answer, find out what problems it applies to. But it takes no effort. That's already there. But if you have to solve a problem, you limit yourself to solving this problem, and there might be another problem that's very valuable, but you've got the solution for it, they match. So it's not easy to predict what they are. So the skills for selling nappies also applies to selling candidates, good or bad. <laughs> so those skills get repurposed for what is either very high or very low purpose. <laughs> if you were a young programmer today, what would you have done? If I were young? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean just mistakes. born programmer. No, I'm saying make the same mistakes. <laughs> yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, when I, I learned to program, feels like half a century ago. It was actually more than that. <laughs> uh, because it was fun, it was interesting, but I also went to school, like, took psycholinguistics, took accounting, you know, tried to get into other areas, clinical decision making. This was back in those days. So I tried to broaden, you know, took advantage to see how much I could learn. So yes, I could program uh, those days, part-time job programming can pay way through college, it's a little harder now. One thing is to choose when you're born, helps. Uh, but so it, I think that's what I'm saying. In other words, if you focus just on, you have to enjoy programming, but you also have to get sort of the zen of programming, just to get the sense of what it is. And doing it, just doing it for myself, unfortunately I had the job, and just building up skills, but it's a little harder now, in a sense, because when I started the field, it was simpler. How many kids know in those days we used to write programs by punching holes in pieces of cardboard? Not about that. Yeah. You have the punch cards. So you can really see it. You can make, uh, you know, get outside and build a circuit. Look at, you know, you can see it all there if it's exposed. So you can take this high level concept and say, okay, how do I implement this in a machine? Uh, so th it's a, it, there's more to learn now, which is hard. I don't know whether I'd be able to, to do it. What you mentioned is very interesting, Bob. Uh, you believe that was simpler than what we have today? Oh, yeah. So why are we making things complex? Well, the world is not... Because they're doing more. <laughs> you know, we just, you know, couldn't do things in those days. We had very simple things. We can add two numbers together. We were thrilled. <laughs> yeah. So our, re our, our reach has extended hugely. Final uh, question. I have to ask you this: How do you see the future of programming? Uh, it, it's it's really the future of understanding and explaining. That pro the way I write code is I need the code, K-N-E-A-D, into shape. 
but in fact, I, I don't write the code once. I write, I, I put a pieces together, I put a again, this is a luxury I have. Uh, I put the scaffolding in place. Uh, I then, in other words, I, I try to get the code working, like VisiCalc, work, after a couple of years of programming, it actually had it working, then it took another 10 months to make it shippable. Because the initial code, like, couldn't quite do division, but we started to get a sense of what it was like. And Dan, the reason it worked so well is Dan, because he wasn't, could do the coding, but wasn't, was free to think about the design. And then we can argue about, is this worth doing it? Like, I, I, we dropped the help system, which would take 2,000 bytes. That was too much space. <laughs> you know, so, but it was that kind of tension, working through it. But because we're using it, we had a sense of what it was, what it could be, what it was worth doing. So it's that kind of iterative process, and the tools for that have improved. That's where the ID is called refactoring now. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to do it. You know, and then there are sort of little things. I think the browser is a very interesting programming environment, much better than apps on, on devices. So there's still a lot. It's evolving, but I think it's, um, you know, the ability, it, I, I, one of the big things is the ability, and this is where we get consumer electronics when we talk about it, is to create your own solutions. How do you put it together? In other words, we have a problem. A lot of people use the word coding. And that's like referring to writing as typing. That's the mechanical skill. How do you get the understanding? Once you can write and stuff, it doesn't matter whether it's typed or how, it's really can you express yourself. And the programming is really improving our ability to express ourselves. But it's still gonna, we're still, it's an intrinsic problems of complexity because when we composite systems together, like one, one example of home control. People want to do scripting these complex rule engines. Well, think of that in real life. That might work if you've got a very simple house, one room dormitory. Put it in a real house with multiple people, with kids and stuff. You think that's all going to work the exact way I explained it? And these are no programming skills so they can, sit, they can have two rules that don't make sense together and have something that's flashing and everything because the rules are interacting. You know, you. you so scaling this is still something we don't know how to do. But that's the real world. We don't know how to. And this is what running into people think they can engineer the perfect society. No, society's a messy. <laughs> and so, so, you know, you have to, the more you can survive the mistakes, the more you can get done. That's well put. Thank you, Bob, for talking to us. <laughs> okay. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. <laughs>